and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about immigration warfare. Immigration warfare. And uh, for those who have been following the, the mass immigration drama, the illegal immigration drama into our country, you know that since Joe Biden was installed in the White House in place of President Trump, people are estimating that there have been at least 5 million illegals that have been brought into the country. Let's listen to a brief audio clip from Joe Biden. This is actually before he got into the White House. Listen. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Okay, so that was during a Democratic debate back when Biden was running for president. It's... It's very clear to me anyway that uh, Biden is a globalist, obviously, and he knew that his job once he got into the White House was to advance and further the global agenda, which includes immigration warfare. The Islamic version is the Hijra, immigration jihad, and the Jesuit version is, of course, irredentism which is another word or term for immigration warfare. Irredentism, in my opinion, is what's going on at our southern border. I have said this on and off for a number of years, probably close to 10 years now, even before uh, President Trump was first elected back in 2016, that immigration jihad for the Muslims and the globalists, really, Collectively, uh, we have we've since learned the term irredentism, which I've introduced to uh, our audience some time ago because of a great interview I had with Dr. Ronald Cook and Dr. Ronald Cook, who is from Northern Ireland, as many of you know, was a lifelong friend of uh, the late Dr. Ian Paisley. And it was Dr. Cook when I interviewed him. And he talked about what's going on in our country with mass immigration, because, of course, that's one of the issues that we're going to be talking about in American Jesuits. It's unavoidable. It's it's not just a main issue for our country. It is for the entire Western world. Immigration warfare or irredentism, as Dr. Cook informed us, that was uh, he argued what they used to undermine Northern Ireland. We know they use that in South Africa. We know they used it in Lebanon. We know that they're using it throughout Western Europe right now. Uh, When I say they, I mean the globalists. And why is it happening? Well, it's happening, I believe. I believe believe Isaiah chapter 1 is the answer. 
Isaiah chapter 1. It's what God warned ancient Israel when he says your cities are are being devoured by strangers, by foreigners. They're being burned with fire. Your, your country is being overrun. This is what God warned ancient Israel. This was the result of Israel turning away from God and disobeying God's laws and commands. That's what has happened in the Western world, brothers and sisters. In America, in England, Scotland, Ireland, all of these Western countries and more, that were originally dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Christian religion, and systematically have turned away from it for a variety of reasons, which we talk about in our films. We're talking about it on this radio program. But for those who believe, for those who are believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, what does the scripture say? Well, John chapter 14 Jesus says to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the way. Now that's very important for us to remember and to keep sight of because we're continually being told that there are other ways to salvation, other ways to heaven. The, the gospel has been steadily compromised, in particular now, not just cultural issues, not just laws, but the gospel and the belief that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and that Christianity is the only true religion. That has been systematically undermined since about the middle of the 20th century. It began in the late 19th century uh, with the Parliament of World Religions. Then by the time you get to Vatican Council II, you have a formal declaration that has been systematically adopted throughout the West. And that is this false idea that all religions are somehow or other one and the same, or they're co-equal, or they're all equally valid ways to get to God. That is a lie. That is a false doctrine. That is a damnable heresy. And I believe that is the chief heresy that is undermining all of Western civilization. And it's why we have now all these Muslims flooding in. I mean, there are many, many stories about the Islamic invaders and all of the uh, affliction that is being caused. Uh, Let's go over this uh, story because this is um, we're going to talk about what's going on in Italy. And then we're going to talk about America because we've got our own problems here. And people are predicting that here in America, wherever you are in the country, sooner or later, because of what's happening under the Biden administration, sooner or later, no one is going to be able to escape the problem of this mass illegal immigration 
into our country, this mass invasion of the United States. Why? Because there's just too many. There, there's, there's millions. There's now they're reporting over 7 million people have been allowed to come into our country illegally just in the last year, two years. So, and we're going to talk more about that and the situation in Illinois. But first, I want to read this from the Rare Foundation. That's R-A-I-R. It's a conservative news outlet. Rare Foundation USA and their website, rarefoundation.com. Anyway, this headline says, Italy's great replacement over 10,000 military-age African men invade the shores of Lampedusa in three days. You can go online and watch this. It's just, they're riding in on boats. Here they've got a video and it shows the still shot on one of the boats that are bringing them in. You got these uh, words written in Arabic. And as the story says, military age men, military age men, there, there's virtually no women and children with these migrants. They're not there. So all of the, uh, all of the, the talk about, Oh, we need to help these people and whatnot. And it's a very different situation and they're taking full advantage of the ordinarily uh, charitable kind hearted nature of people in the Western world who are generally a charitable. Why? Because these are historically Christian countries. And now they're saying, well, let's just take advantage of them. It, it reminds me of that story in the Old Testament when uh, King Ahab defeated Ben-Hadad in battle. And Ben-Hadad, who was the king of Syria, his advisors come to him and they say, well, Ben-Hadad, we've heard these kings of Israel. They are merciful men. Let's go and, and talk to them and maybe they'll spare your life. Or maybe Ahab will. And so they go and they talk to Ahab, and that's what he does. He says, oh, Ben-Hadad, does he yet live? He is my brother. And he extends mercy to him, even though he, he shouldn't have. The Bible says they shall have judgment without mercy who have shown no mercy. These Islamists are merciless. They are ruthless, uh, rapists, murderers, and they, there's no question, they openly admit that they are flooding into the Western world to take over these countries. And the politicians who are aiding and abetting this are really guilty of acts of sedition and treason. And until the people in these countries stand up and acknowledge that that's exactly what's happening, this is the systematic betrayal of the Western world. Unless that happens, until that happens I don't see how this could be turned about. But, of course, the first thing that's got to happen is there's got to be repentance. It's, it's like in the story of Gideon. If you, you read the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, the angel appears to Gideon, tells Gideon he's going to be able, to, he's going to defeat the Midianites. But then the first thing that God has him do is to go throw down the altar of Baal and set up an altar unto the Lord. First thing. 
And that's what's got to happen in our country. It's what's got to, got to happen in the Western world, uh, England, Scotland, whether it's Canada, Australia, and so on. The false gods, Karl Marx and Allah, these false gods must be put down. And the Lord Jesus Christ as King of Kings and the only way of salvation must be lifted up. Now, of course, Jesus is always King of Kings. So God does not need our help per se, but it is up to us to acknowledge God and to proclaim that Christ, not man is King and Christ is the only salvation for mankind. And that no, Islam is not a true religion. Islam is a system of idolatry, just like all the other uh, false religions of the world. The pagan religions of the world are not true religions. I mean, this realization for me as a believer, after I'd been a believer for a few years and was seeking the Lord and trying to figure out what God wanted me to do with whatever talents he had given me, and I remember reading Ezekiel chapter 22, and it was about verse 26, where the Lord is, well, let's go back. In verse 25, where it says, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and I am profaned among them. Now, the context of Chapter 22, of course, you go back to Ezekiel chapter 8, and that's where the Lord shows Ezekiel what's going on in the temple there, how the ancient men, the elders of Israel, are worshiping all these pagan gods inside the house of the Lord. So they are, they are basically engaging in an ancient form of ecumenism. That's what they're doing. They're blending all the gods together. This is the context of what the Lord is talking about here in chapter 22, that they're not showing a difference between the holy things of God. God is holy. God says, be you holy, even as I am holy. The word holy means separate. God is not blended in with Buddha and Krishna and Allah and all these pagan gods. No, they are not all one and the same. And that is, I believe, the problem. But you see, when that happened in the northern kingdom in Israel, when the kingdom was divided, I mean, idolatry is what led to the division to begin with, because King Solomon had built temples unto idols. And then the Lord warned him not to do it, but he wouldn't listen. And so God said he was going to divide the kingdom and give 10 parts to Jeroboam and then the rest to Solomon's descendants, they would have a remnant. Well, then when Jeroboam becomes king over the northern kingdom, he, he sets up a second temple in violation of God's law 
They set up the golden calves there. And now you have this paganized version of Judaism going on. And that would continue for generations until finally there was no remedy. The scripture says, you see, this, this refusal to acknowledge the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as holy, as separate, and as the only true God, it ultimately has a catastrophic and ruinous effect upon a nation that falls into this. Just like ancient Israel. And that's the danger that we're in in the Western world, brothers and sisters. And the uh, invasion of all these uh, Muslims now in Germany, the, the president of Germany is celebrating Islam there in the UK. They are right now these uh, sculptors, these artists uh, are creating this, uh, this giant metal hijab wearing uh, Islamic female head to set up like some kind of Islamic idol or some dedication to Islam there in what, what is an historically Christian country, but to celebrate the hijab and the Islamic view of women, which at, at every level is just another step toward advancing the Islamic ideology and the Islamic belief system uh, in the Western world, which along with, with so many other elements. We could talk about LGBT. We could talk about what's going on with the transgender movement. I mean, this is old world paganism revived. It is, it is at this point in our history, proving to be catastrophic for the United States and the entire Western world. All right, let's go uh, to our commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about what is going on in the state of Illinois. Is Illinois the next sanctuary state in the United States of America? We'll talk about that when we come back right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our Republic was from the Deists or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, the True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com.
Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we're talking about the immigration war against the United States and the entire Western world. I wanted to give you guys an update, however, on the documentary American Jesuits that's going to be covering some of these issues. Uh, But yes, we did have our filming. Those of you who prayed for us, we had our uh, filming at Fiddler's Grove on September the 8th. We're going to be sending out a newsletter here in the next few days, and we're going to feature some screenshots from the uh, filming, which went very, very well. We had three actors out there, got them in costume. Fiddler's Grove is a great location. The people, by the way, we want to say thank you very, very much to Fiddler's Grove. Great people. Very, very nice. If you're ever in, let's say, the Nashville area, Fiddler's Grove is probably, I would say, well, 45 minutes outside of Nashville. Might be an hour, depending on where you're at, you know, where you're driving from. But it's a great place to visit. It's an historic village. They also have, it's on the fairground, so they do the Tennessee State Fair there. But the people were very nice and very supportive of what we were doing. And so uh, we thank them for that. But we got some great footage for the documentary. And that is the final bit of filming that we needed to do for American Jesuits. But um, we are still pushing. We're editing every single day, trying to get this work finished and released in the month of October. But it's going to be later October. Uh, And that is the projection right now. We're going to be sending out newsletters along the way. And uh, we will just keep pressing on until we get the work completed. I will tell you, there is some groundbreaking research, I believe, that will be included in this documentary. I mean, stuff that has been published just in the last five to ten years that most people, if you study the Jesuits up to now, most people are not aware of some of these staggering bits and pieces of information. But we'll see what you guys think. We are pressing forward. We thank you for your prayers. We ask you for your uh, prayers for this new project. And we are pressing on. Praise the Lord. All right. So if you were to go to the Rare Foundation website, Not only do they talk about this invasion 
of this island, Lampedusa, which is off the coast of Italy. It is actually, if you look at this on a map, you've got Italy, you've got the boot of Italy, and then you have Sicily, my grandfather on my dad's side of the family, uh, is from Sicily originally, came to America early part of the 20th century. My dad was born and raised in New York City. Um, okay, so then off the coast of Sicily, then you have these tiny islands in the Mediterranean. One of them is called Lampedusa. Well, they've just dumped 10,000. This is a small island. 10,000 fighting age African migrants they've dumped on this island in Lampedusa. And the people there are furious. The residents are absolutely furious about it. And uh, they're kicking up uh, a lot of dust, and, and as they should, because if they don't put a stop to this now, if, if we in the West, if the people in the Western world do not find a way to impose this, they are just invading all of our countries. They're just doing it without the tanks and the, and the fighter jets and the helicopters. They're just bringing them in and they say, oh, they're just here as refugees or whatever. But they, they are bringing in 99% are fighting age men that they're bringing in. Very few women and children. Fighting age men they're bringing in. Perfectly, you know, 18 to 40 is what these guys, most of these guys look like. They should be in their own countries, developing their own countries and building them up or solving whatever problems they have in those countries. They should not be uh, piling into the Western world. But this is part of a greater agenda. There are people who want this to happen. They want it to happen. That's why it's happening. And here in the United States, we have a story from the Liberty Sentinel with Alex Newman. Alex Newman, who is a friend, I've, I've spoken with Alex at at least one conference that I remember. I've done a couple of interviews with him. I actually interviewed him last year. He's going to be appearing in one of our documentaries on the Reese Committee in the future. But I got a great interview with Alex Newman and G. Edward Griffin. They were both doing a conference, and I drove up and got to get both of those guys on camera, uh, and they were both great. Alex Newman, a very, very nice guy, but he's got a story here at the Liberty Sentinel website, and the headline is, Immigration Tsunami Swallows Sanctuary, Illinois, Refugee Tent Cities Coming. That's the story. Sanctuary, Illinois. The liberals are pulling out all the stops there in New Mexico. We just had this episode with the governor who Governor Michelle Grisham, Governor Grisham in New Mexico, who tried to issue this public health order putting a ban on the carrying of any firearms in the Albuquerque metro area 
and claimed that she was going to have the ban for 30 days because of certain crimes that had taken place recently. And of course, nobody likes to hear about those kind of crimes. But nevertheless, the Constitution is still the law of the land. So she was claiming this right based on a health emergency. That's what she called it. A health emergency to issue this ban on uh, carrying, whether secretly or openly, but carrying any firearms in the Albuquerque metro area. Now, that's as it's reported by the New York Times. Uh, and I'm reading this in part off the New York Times. But there's lots of videos out there. I'm sure you guys are familiar with the story. She's gotten a lot of pushback. A federal judge uh, put a stop to it, put a restraining order. U.S. District Judge David Urias granted a temporary restraining order blocking the governor's suspension. She is facing a backlash from both Republicans and Democrats who are calling her action completely unconstitutional, which it is. And then she scaled it back. And so this New York Times headline says, facing pushback from both parties, New Mexico governor scales back firearms order. Now, apparently, she's saying that the ban is limited to parks and playgrounds. That's how she scaled it back. But the way that she had written it, if you go and watch the video, people are playing it all over the place. But if you watch the video, she said, we're going to do this for 30 days. And then after 30 days, we'll just kind of see, you know, and, and we'll review it. And then we might renew it and carry it on. So in other words, there was, she's saying 30 days, but it's not really 30 days. It, it could have gone on indefinitely. A ban on the right to keep and bear arms. That's the thing about the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment does not say the right to own a firearm. That's not what it says. It says the right to keep and bear. So keep them, meaning presumably you would keep them in your home to keep them and to bear them, meaning to bear them on your person. How else would you bear them? I mean, it seems plain enough. And uh, if you grew up watching Westerns like many of us did back in the 70s and 80s, well, we, we all know the image of a cowboy riding on his horse with a six gun on his hip and maybe a, a Winchester lever gun on his horse mounted somehow. Very, very common in the Old West uh, or to have a, a double barreled shotgun uh, to, you know, a coach gun, as they would call it. Very common. And so, but now this onslaught against the Second Amendment, I'm very suspicious of what is going on in New Mexico. I feel like this is some kind of globalist testing ground that they're going through with Governor Grisham, that they've, they've gotten her to do this somehow. Somebody's put her up to it because it's, it's really very unusual but they've had her do it just to see what would happen. It's kind of a testing ground. That's what I think. It's my theory. And to see how far she could, you know, how much she could get away with with this, because 
the power of the executives. Think about what happened with COVID. It was executive orders that governors and mayors and so on were writing. They were using executive authority to shut down businesses, to have forced mask wearing, to compel people to take the vaccine, etc. They were just doing it with executive orders. And now this is what we've got with uh, Governor Grisham. She's just issuing an executive order to ban firearms. Effectively. Can she get away with it? Well, so far, she's not gotten away with it. The courts have shut her down. But this is a very interesting case to watch because this could be a foreshadowing of what they are planning to do in the months and possibly years ahead. But one of the things I think they've learned, they've learned that, and and this this has been what has really dogged and and hindered the anti-gun movement in our country is that it's not just conservatives who value the right to bear arms. There are a lot of liberals and independents who also value the right to bear arms. And even the liberals started pushing back against Governor Grisham and saying, wait a second, you can't just undermine the Constitution. Because if, if, if a governor can get away with that for the Second Amendment, they can get away with it with the First Amendment. They can get away with it with the Fourth Amendment. They get away with it with pretty much anything. And so somebody using that kind of executive authority, not just for an individual. You see, when a judge places, let's say, a gag order on someone, that's, and you might argue, okay, they're violating their First Amendment. That's one argument, but they're doing it for an individual. They're not doing it for the entire country. They're just doing it for an individual person, maybe a couple of people. I don't know. But it's very different when you say, okay, everybody, we're putting everybody under a gag order, the whole country or the whole city or the whole state. And for her to try to put the whole population under a ban on the Second Amendment effectively did not sit well, and thankfully, uh, there's been a considerable amount of pushback. All right, so this story now on the immigration tsunami in Illinois. Here's what it says. Alex Newman, quote, The massive wave of illegal immigration coming across the U.S.-Mexico border is hitting Illinois and Chicago particularly hard, with authorities considering a plan to erect giant refugee tent cities to handle the influx. More than 1,500 migrants are currently staying in police stations across Chicago, and 10 times that many are spread across 16 shelters operated by the city. A massive amount of migrants in the city of Chicago. Now, this is a city that is plagued with gang warfare every week. I mean, there are shootings in Chicago over virtually all the weekends. They, they just have dozens and dozens of shootings and killings there every month. It has been called a silent genocide by some, by some black leaders in the black community. It's been called a silent genocide because you've got this steady number of young men being killed 
by these gang shootings that are going on there. And it's really, at least my impression of it, the way that they talk about it, is it's like a genocide of neglect. Because nobody's going in there to do something about it. They're just letting these gangs run wild. That They're just fighting and killing each other. Now, adding to that problem, they've got all these migrants in there. And who knows what's going to happen in Chicago now? I mean, that city could collapse over the next year or two. It's a, a very, very bad situation. But Illinois now, if you look at a map, we're in Tennessee. If And the reason they're getting away with this in Illinois, they're getting away with it in these blue states. It's just like when Black Lives Matter and Antifa went out there, they were able to get away with all sorts of criminal activity because they were in blue states. The red states, it's a lot more difficult, much more difficult because of the conservative policies. But it should be very interesting to see what's going to happen. I mean, people are warning that Americans don't realize what the impact of all of this mass immigration these millions of people that have flooded into our country in a very short period of time illegally. There are some who are warning that we don't right now fully realize what the impact of this will be. Uh, and the numbers vary as, of course, they, they're going to. I mean, this article from uh, Alex Newman says, quote, estimates suggest more than 5 million have crossed just since Biden took office. That number continues to grow daily. And instead of focusing on getting the situation under control, the White House and the scandal-plagued U.S. Department of Justice are suing and terrorizing state officials and property owners working to slow the invasion. So there, there is an active effort by the Biden administration to prevent states and even state leaders, governors and so on, to prevent them from taking any action to stop this mass invasion of illegal immigrants. So that's that's why I am calling this immigration warfare. It's not just that it's happening. We've got leaders in Washington that are helping it to happen, instigating it, and they're they're actually opposing magistrates in our country that are trying to protect our country. Uh, now, this article says 5 million. If you research that number, PR Newswire says 5.5 million. Uh, and then the Highland County Press. I don't know if the Highland County Press is how reliable they are. They're in Hillsborough, Ohio. And this is back in June, the end of June, uh, they had an article that said illegal aliens since 2021 total more than individual populations of 38 states. Illegal crossings top 8 million since Biden took office. That's the number that they give. Now, obviously, when you have un- Documented. I hate using the term undocumented, but that's really what they are. They're really illegal aliens. And I think 
that there should even be a law that makes the journalists call them illegals and not undocumented. But there's no documentation of their entry into our country other than people just watching it happen who are down on the border. They're seeing this happen. They're videotaping it. They're they're estimating about this many people, about that many people. So nobody really has an exact number. But if the low number, 5 million, if that number is accurate, that is a massive number of people to have uh, been brought into our country in such a short period of time. And the question is, of course, well, where are they going to go? They have to go somewhere. All right, so there is a story on Worldview Weekend with Brannon House. By the way, I did a couple of interviews with Brannon, what, a week, two weeks ago? On uh, what did we talk? We talked about true Christian history of America. Brandon wanted me to come and talk about Oliver Cromwell. And so we did two interviews talking about Oliver Cromwell and the English Civil War and how all of that affected America. Anyway, there is a story where Brandon is interviewing Todd Benzman, who is kind of the go to guy down on the southern border. He's like down there, boots on the ground filming what's happening. He's been reporting this for a number of years. And the headline for the story here with this interview is, quote, U.S. has no idea the illegal immigration chaos about to hit and possible terror attacks. Of course. I mean, think about it. If we have enemies in the Middle East, we have groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS, etc., and if they know that our southern border is vulnerable and if they wanted to carry out another attack on our country like 9-11, it just makes sense strategically that they would try to send people in through that vulnerable entryway into our country. Then you combine that with all these reports that we have Chinese illegal immigrants that are coming in, thousands of them. And people are wondering why they're coming from China, but they are. And China is a hostile power toward the United States of America. There's no question. They've had spies here. They are trying to undermine our system. We've got a number of countries out there that want to see the overthrow of the United States of America. Now, of course, we don't believe in scaremongering and, or anything like that. We believe we should be praying. Uh, we, we believe we know why this is happening. It's not just happening because we have bad leaders. The question we should be asking is, why do we have these bad leaders? Why is God allowing these bad leaders to be in charge of our country, despite some of the best efforts to get rid of them or to vote them out or something? Here's a quote from John Calvin. John Calvin said, quote, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. And so we as a country, we have to think about that. We have to think about our part in all of this. What can we do at an individual level to hopefully compel God to grant us some measure of deliverance, whatever that may be? And when I say deliverance, obviously, we're talking about temporal deliverance from these tyrannical powers. Of course, we believe in the eternal deliverance of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have faith in that. But is it possible that our nation might be delivered 
from this Marxist advance of tyranny and totalitarianism that we are watching in our system right now. We hope so. We, we pray it may be so. We see a lot of patriots out there, God-fearing people who are doing whatever they can to resist these evil powers, and we are called to resist them. Remember, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have to remember Satan is a king. I know I've said this before. Satan is a king and he has a kingdom, but we're not called to submit to him just because he's a king. He's obviously a king of evil, and yet we are told to resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, speaking of resistance, there is, of course, as many of you know, an update on the story of the New Mexico governor, Michelle Grisham, who attempted to ban the Second Amendment, basically, in her state. And uh, you now have Mexico, New Mexico, sorry, New Mexico officials calling for the governor's impeachment. And it is said that uh, the, the outrage continues against what she attempted to do. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, there's a story on Fox that says, after gun ban, we must impeach New Mexico's governor or face these consequences. Governors across the country, leading progressive states are watching to see what happens next in New Mexico. This will be very interesting. I, I continue to believe that the deep state powers somehow or other have instigated this because they, they're testing the water. They're trying to see what's going to happen and how this whole thing will be resolved. But I think whatever happens in New Mexico is going to have an impact on the rest of the country one way or the other. People are saying the same thing about the state of Tennessee and what happened uh, here over the summer where Governor Bill Lee called for a special session to bring in a red flag law of some kind and possibly other legislation that was being proposed. But thankfully, that danger has passed, at least for the moment, the, the attempt by the Democrats to bring in some kind of red flag law. And obviously, Governor Lee, who is technically a Republican, although right now most everybody's calling him a rhino because he's the one who called for this special session. And a lot of people object to it. Uh, thankfully, the legislation went nowhere. It was put down. And uh, so a lot of people are applauding the Republicans here in Tennessee for that. And hopefully that's going to have an impact across the country because this business of reactionary legislation because something happens and then somehow or other we've got lawmakers who think they can then turn and attack clear constitutional principles it's simply unreasonable to think that way and it doesn't apply to any other area of our society they're, they're not going to do the same with the first amendment or any of the other amendments in our constitution the only one that they uh, engage in this kind of uh, activity over is the Second Amendment. And others have pointed out that this is simply unreasonable. The Supreme Court has ruled, rightly so, that you cannot treat the Second Amendment as though it has some inferior, lesser standing than the other amendments in the Bill of Rights. So uh, at this point, 
things are moving in a favorable direction, even though there's obviously, you know, resistance. Uh, Biden now has uh, appointed Vice President Kamala Harris as some kind of gun czar. It should be interesting to see what happens there. But I think the, the greater problem that we're looking at is this issue of illegal immigration. People are warning that in the months and years ahead, this will have a much more dramatic impact on the dynamics of our country than we know. I think probably the, the greatest impact, other than probably an increase of crime in different parts of the country, is going to be when they allow, as they intend to, the illegals to vote. And we're going to see with the next voting cycle, whether or not the, this massive flood of millions and millions of illegals over the past couple of years is somehow or other going to change the political dynamics of our country in the next election. But we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, nevertheless, we've got to continue in prayer. We've got to continue doing what we can do at an individual level, making ourselves as ready as we can be, especially ready spiritually, uh, ready to stand before God every single day. And as the scripture says, having done all to stand, that should be our ambition during this time because life is very frail right now. Look at how many people have died suddenly because of all that has gone on with COVID and the vaccines and so on. But it's a reminder to us on the one hand, yes, there's the globalist conspiracy side of it, on the other hand, it is a reminder that we live in a fallen world. There are calamities that happen for a variety of reasons. So we've got to remember that the fashion of this world is passing away, as the scripture says. Also, Colossians 3 and verse 3, where the Apostle Paul says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Praise the Lord. All right, brethren, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We'll stop it there. But we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio. Noise of Thunder Radio.